Give the secret handshake. Check your cloaks. And remove your tinfoil hats. This is the Illuminati Social Club. The podcast you don't want they to know about. This is bullshit. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. Welcome to the penultimate episode of season four here on the Illuminati Social Club. I'm your host, Jason from Parma. Joining me from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, Mr. Oliver Oxide. I'm already impressed with the use of the word penultimate. Yes. Hello, all. <laughs> and from uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, a man who will tell me how I use the word wrong, Steve Cloutier. <laughs> no, in, in fact, you used it correctly. <laughs> Penultimate, the second last episode. Yep. I don't know. Do, do, do did I imply or infer that you would uh, correct me? <laughs> Neither. You, you stated it outright. <laughs> there was no implication. You know, I'm just trying to get your goat, Steve. I know. I know. Yes, we are talking about season four, episode number twenty-three, Glenn Miller, which I didn't know anything about this going in. Uh, I really, I just thought of him as the band leader who, you know, was responsible for probably one of the, one of the best known, uh, big band hits of all time, uh, in the mood and several others. I can't remember names though. So, um, Oliver, what were your impressions of this episode? Uh, I, I knew the story, but um, I still learned some stuff. I, first of all, I didn't realize that uh, Glenn Miller played the trombone. I, for some reason, thought he played the trumpet. So that was uh, that was a uh, little new, uh, new information for me. Uh, the episode, to me, doesn't really go anywhere. No. Uh, but maybe Steve has a different view on it. Steve? Um, this is my version of Amelia Earhart. Oh, okay. Right, because I've, I've, you know, being an aficionado of the Second World War, um, I know a lot about this story. And so for me, this is kind of the Amelia Earhart kind of story. Are are you an aficionado of the Second World War? I I would have never guessed. Possibly. Possibly. (laughs) I've learned learned something new again. (laughs) That's, That's the word on the street anyway. Ah, uh, so, so let's see. I have uh, Leonard talking about this now, um, and I I cut out. Yeah, I think I cut out a lot of this intro because there is a lot of just long stretches of airplane sound. So here we go. December fifteenth, nineteen forty-four, Bedfordshire, England. Glenn Miller. The most popular musician in the world is serving as commander of the Army Air Corps Band. Determined to fly to France to prepare for a concert, he accepts an invitation to make the journey in a small plane. Poor weather has already delayed the flight for several days. Despite personal misgivings, he is unwilling to wait any longer. Contact with the plane lasts only a few minutes. Glenn Miller will never be seen again. It has long been believed the plane iced up and went down in the English Channel. 
Yet recent information raises some disturbing questions. What were the circumstances around the disappearance? And why was there never a search made for the aircraft? After nearly four decades, is it possible the wreck of that plane can be found today? I don't know. Did they ever find the plane? No. No. I know there was, uh, I, I saw a story from like 2017 or something. Yeah, completely, some... com- completely different region. Right. Somebody was going to, tr- well, somebody was going to look for it and I didn't see what happened to it. So, you know, well, the one in, in 2017, maybe Steve can speak more eloquently about it, but it was a, it was a guy in Devonshire and, uh, Devonshire is nowhere near France. Yeah. He went out from London it's going the opposite way, oh, okay. so I don't, I, I don't know how they accounted for that. <laughs> uh, wrong turn? Yes. Well, they, I think there was something about the, they were trying to avoid some bombing or something, Steve? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, we can get into that. There, there is a theory that they, that they came out after the episode about what, what happened hmm. um, that involved um, American bombers. Ah. I don't know if you want me to get into it now or later, but... Um, I don't know which, which would be better. (laughs) Maybe later. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So basically, uh, it's believed that the, the plane iced over and crashed in the English channel shortly after takeoff. Um, and then they're going through, you know, they're showing this, uh, airplane graveyard, which is, uh, the countryside. What, what is it called? Steve, uh, Chilton. Yeah, yeah, Chilton, Chilton yes. Hills. Yeah, because it sounded like Leonard was saying Children Hills. Yeah, so did I. I thought that too. The, but but I will say something just as in a little aside. Uh, Leonard does get Bedfordshire right. Really, uh, wow. Amer- Americans. Uh, I'm sorry to be biased here, but Americans usually butcher English uh, names. Bedfordshire. Yeah, they go Shire instead yeah. of Sure. Yeah. No, oh, no. I, I believe it or not, I do say Sure. You know. Bedford, there you go. Bedfordshire, yeah. So, uh, so they're going through all this, and I forgot, I forgot that Rolls Royce, yeah, Rolls Royce made airplanes. Yes, yeah. I I made a note of this because it, my grandfather was the vice president of our research and development at uh, Rolls Royce. So, hey, all right, we got some branding in there. Claim, yeah. claim to fame. Well, it was his claim to fame, not uh, mine. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Uh, appara- apparently, uh. Glenn Miller was a mysterious person. He he really he wasn't a he wasn't forthright. He didn't talk to a lot of people about you know about his life. He didn't make small talk, I guess. So you know, even to his band members. Well, he was he was their boss. Yeah, that's that's true. And typical musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So, uh, yeah. Here here here's the here's our next clip. On September 27, 1942, at the Central Theater in Passaic, New Jersey, Glenn Miller announced that he would disband his orchestra and volunteer for the American war effort. Many believe that this move, more than any other, marked the beginning of the end of the big band era. Did it? No. No. I have, yeah, I have many questions about this, Steve. <laughs> like when, when Ted Williams went to Korea... You know, he was in the actual army. Yep. Glenn Miller saying he's doing his patriotic doing Dewey uh duty and going off and doing leading the band. 
Well, he 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 was a major in the army. He mm. you know that, no, that but that is, was on that was that was honorary to make him a yeah, major. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. 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 But it's not like he was going over to operate a tank. <laughs> no, no. But what you what you found in World War Two is you you often had a lot of people like this who really did want to fight mm. and were often by the army pushed into places where they felt they could be best. So so the army probably just said, it's probably better for you to lead the army band. Okay. Right. They, they, they probably put him out on the, uh, on the gunnery range and said, uh, here, fire at that target. And they said, you know what? Being the band leader would be a lot better for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing because Hmm? they, they figured he was probably as a famous band leader, he was probably best. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, doing that kind of thing for the troops. There's a very famous episode, one of my favorite episodes of MASH, where they where they have a chef who's yeah. operating a gun, uh, you know, he's in the yeah. army, and mm-hmm. they don't make him a chef. Yes. Sorry, I went, Jr. I went off on a tangent there. I'm sorry. It's been a week of tangents with me in podcasts. So I'm sorry. By the way, I, 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 do own, I do own all 11 seasons of MASH on DVD. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, I should also point out that Ed Begley Jr. played yes. Yes, he the did. chef. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was the so, fame. That was the famous spam parmesan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not now that we've uh, not now that we've gone off on that tag- tan- yeah, tangent. <laughs> well, it's 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 war related. It's war related. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh, so apparently, uh, 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 Glenn Miller had a uh, had a bit of a knockdown drag out with the army over uh, you know how military music should sound. And he, he introduced, you know, more jazz notes to military marches and stuff, yeah. which, you know, hey, good for him. Well, do you know what the funny thing is, is that jazz bows of the time hated Glenn Miller. It's true. Because really? he wasn't a jazz, he wasn't a jazz bow enough. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he was too popular. Uh, so. So now, so now we get to uh, the, the question, you know, did the plane really crash in the English Channel, or did it crash somewhere else? And then we meet Herb Miller, because of course we do. Um, you know, we met, what was it, last week or the week before, we met uh, uh, Hemingway's brother, and, you know, yes. this week we get uh, Glenn Miller's brother, so. It's like family feud. Yes, so. Uh, and apparently uh, Glenn's brother is a conspiracy theorist. Yes. Um, I think I have that clip of him here. I have here a missing aircraft report. All kinds of things on here are irregular. The inquiry was uh, not properly handled. As a matter of fact, there was no search and no officer in charge of this search. So there you go. Um, So what? Let's see. Uh, well, first of all, it was probably written up by humans, which, you know, they, they screw things up a lot. Um, and let's see. Uh, what is it? Apparently, MPs came in a day or two after he was after, you know, he was reported missing and secured his belongings. But apparently his family never received them. Or something. Yeah, that, that happens a lot hmm? in wartime. Yeah. Oh, 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 right. I forgot. Yeah. There's a war yeah. going on. 
Which, by it's the way, like, we're going to get almost like It's almost like the brother thought, you know, because his brother was a celebrity, mm-hmm. that he should get different. It's, it's, it's the World yeah. War II equivalent of, do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, Which, there's a little thing called the Battle of the Bulge going on. Yes. I, 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 I think the Air Force and the Army have a little bit more on their plate. Yeah, they were occupado. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and to be fair to them, they did sort of start doing a... Uh, a report it took them a little bit longer but you know uh yeah uh let's see december 15th uh something happened about a week earlier uh what december 6 1944 uh you know no no that was 41 oh oh that was 41 i'm sorry it's 41 oh wait when was oh that's right June fourth. You're thinking. June 4th, you're thinking, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm June getting. 4th. I'm getting my. Uh, I'm, I'm getting my Pearl Harbor and my D-Day mixed up. Yeah. This. This was the Battle of the Bulge. Okay. Battle this of the Bulge. This is the Battle of the Bulge. Trust me. You don't want me going into detail in the Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> that's another podcast, Steve. Yes. That, that's a. That's another if, three podcasts. Uh, <laughs> if, if we have. Uh, if. If we have an in search of the Battle of the Bulge, you know, we'll call you. <laughs> yes. Definitely. <laughs> I'll take that evening off because Steve will just go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Me- so. Meanwhile, Dave Broadbeck is going. Yeah, go ahead. Come on, do it. <laughs> Dave, you're welcome to come on and talk to Steve anytime about the Battle of the Bulge. So here we go. And by the way, uh, Leonard's outfit in this is quite uh, burnt orange. <laughs> He's very layered. He is. So here, here he is. Many of the rumors surrounding the disappearance of Glenn Miller's plane could have been silenced by the findings of a court of inquiry. Yet no official investigation was ever made. The question is, why? Because there was a war going going on. on. (laughs) And that we we had um, uh, the guy from the Air Force Museum. Unfortunately, I didn't get any clips of him. Royal Fry? Yes. And he said, you know, the three people in the plane were, and, and I, I like, you know, because he says, you know, not to, not to sound callous, but they were three relatively unimportant people to the war effort. And that includes Glenn Miller. Yep. Yep. You know, if it would have been, he... if, if it would have been Patton. <laughs> <laughs> you know you you could be damn sure there'd be you know an all-out uh you know search and rescue but you know yeah i he, it, it he was, was the, he, he was the voice of reason in this episode yes and he it was. was just it was just so blunt you know mm-hmm. but I mean, you know when, when you're talking about war i mean you, you really you know you have to be blunt <sighs> so yeah, th- this is a country that dro- drops two atomic bombs on Japan. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're going to worry about three officers? <laughs> no. <laughs> In a plane? No. Ah, so. Sorry, you caught me drinking. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so now we meet uh, Arnold Bruns from... Uh, Ma- Manoa or Manaway. In-, In Ohio, we call it Manaway. Uh, because it is, I believe it is M-A-N-T-U-A in Wisconsin, as well as Ohio. So here, here is Mr. Bruns. Arnold Bruns was the aircraft's maintenance crew chief on that day in December 1944. 
inspecting his aircraft. In search of found bronze living today in Manawa, Wisconsin, he recalls pre-flighting Miller's aircraft with its pilot, John Morgan. Mr. Morgan and I went over the uh, maintenance forms on the aircraft. We pre-flighted the aircraft. We found everything to be very much uh, tip-top as far as the maintenance portion of the aircraft was concerned. We checked out the anti-icing and de-icing equipment to the best of my knowledge, and it was well equipped with that phase of equipment. And I'm sure that had the uh, aircraft encountered icing, the capabilities of uh, Mr. Morgan were such that he definitely would have taken evasive action immediately, or had he started to cross the channel under icing conditions and found that they did exist, he definitely would have turned back to base. Except it was believed that the uh, plane that they were in didn't have anti-icing capability. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I have a question about this because yes. when I when I take a plane in the winter time, mm-hmm. uh, I have to go through this little thing where they take you through this little car wash of of de-icing liquid. Mm-hmm. I didn't know de-icing technology was present in this in the forties, and how did it work? The same way? I don't know. No, I don't think I don't think it worked the same way. Like I don't, I, I don't think they would have had like the 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 sort of wash at, at the beginning. So how did they do it, Steve? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure of the technical thing, but it it, it was sort of heating equipment on the ah, on the plane. Okay. Ah, okay. Um, which this plane didn't have anyway. So, so by okay, so this guy is remembering all of this. You know, um, what. 30 years or more later. Why? I remember checking out that plane that night. (laughs) 30 years ago. Um, boy, if he doesn't, if he doesn't remember his anniversary, he's got a problem. (laughs) Because one one of the things they try and do in this episode is they, they, they try to sort of build up this idea that Glenn Miller knew he was going to die. Hmm. Um, you know, because, um, earlier, I don't, you probably may not have a clip of this, but I think it's earlier in that they have, they have a guy named Tex Beneke Mm -hmm. who says that, um, Glenn Miller was fatalistic. Hmm. Glenn Miller thought he was going to die because he was afraid of buzz bombs. Oh, I'm afraid of buzz bombs. Glenn Miller is in London being bombed and he's afraid of being killed. By bombs. Hmm. That's that's not fatalistic. That's no. just common sense. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. What's that? Uh, uh, another another mash quote. Are you scared, son? No, sir. Just cold. If you had any brains, you'd be scared. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we meet uh, Dixie Clerk. I think her name is. Uh, yes. And she assumed that the plane went down on land, possibly in the Chilton Hills or the yes. Children Hills, depending on who you listen to in this episode. Um, so uh, let's see. And there's a group of airplane salvagers who dig up the remains of airplanes from this area. Yeah. Which, you know, hey, it's good business if you can get it. Uh, Dixie Clark was wrong, though. Really? Yeah. 
Okay. Because she didn't see it going over the water, but the Royal Observation Corps did spot it going out over the water. Aha. Uh-huh. So it has been confirmed that at the very least it went it, it went it flew over the channel. Aha. Uh-huh. So Dixie Clark is wrong. Well, you could tell her that yourself. She's not on this episode, but you could find her and tell her. <laughs> um so we come to the last clip. Um, oh, by the way, Steve, you wanted to say something about something. Uh, I, I, forgot, <laughs> I was going to say something about something. What was that? Uh, the bombs or you know, the the bombs? Yes. Yes. Well, there was a there there was a theory that came out by um, a guy named Fred Shaw. Okay. Um, he was I believe he was a navigator um, on a I think he was on, on a Lancaster bomber, um, and he said. That they were flying back, he he and his bomber squadron were flying back from a mission in Germany, but they hadn't dropped their bombs because there was bad weather, so they scrubbed the mission. And what and what they would do is because landing with a full load of bombs is dangerous. Yeah, um, that does not seem like a smart thing to do. Yeah, it's it's really not. So what they would do is they would jettison the bombs in the channel, Hmm. coming back. And he said that he saw a plane flying underneath. They're coming back on the same day as Glenn Miller is flying to France. And that he saw when they jettisoned the bombs that it hit a plane that was flying below. Ah. However, there are problems with this theory. Okay. One, he only remembered it after he watched the movie with James Stewart. Hmm. Called the Glenn Miller story. <laughs> that's uh-huh. that's what he remember. He remembered the story, um, not when there were reports of uh, headlines of Glenn Miller missing. He didn't remember it at the time. Uh, and also um, another another navigator at the time, not on the same plane, but a guy named Ron Brown, who was in the same flight flying squadron, said that there was no way that anybody could see. Hmm. A plane being hit because visibility was so bad mm-hmm. that you could barely, you could barely, it was one of those things where you could barely see your hand, hand in front of your face. Uh-huh. So even if that did happen, there, he said there was no way that Fred Shaw could have seen it. Hmm. Interesting. And of course, the odds of that happening <laughs> are like a billion to one. Blind luck. Not impossible. But, you know, it, it, highly would be, it would be blind luck. Yeah. So so that that was and I think when um, the other guy started looking for them somewhere else, I think that's what that's what he was thinking is that they saw the bombers coming and they flew away from the bombers. But. Ah, OK. So I have one more clip. It's the final clip. And we're going to talk over the end of this because it does go into some music, and you know, we 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 don't we can hear the music in the background while we uh, while we while we sum up the episode. Mm-hmm. There were millions of casualties during World War II. Every death affected someone. One, two. But the disappearance of Glenn Miller affected us all. It ended an era. 
So, uh, let's see. We, we could just let that play out. Um, so, again, this is, you know, December 1944. The Battle of the Bulge is going on, as I just found out. Uh, <laughs> because... I don't know my I don't know my World War II history that well, which is why Steve is here. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on, and I think the historian in this episode is correct. Uh, they were relatively unimportant to the war effort. So to wait, you know, to to spend time and resources looking for you know looking for. Th- that one plane could have been spent, you know, in other ways. And it, yes, this is callous sounding. It's cold, but you know, it's also the reality of war. Yeah. So, uh, Steve, do you want to bring up the other conspiracy theory? Oh no. Which one? Go the ahead. Paris. Paris. The Paris one? Yeah, sure. I can bring that one up. All right. This one's this one's the fun one. Yeah. Well, he, he th- in this conspiracy. He actually made it to Paris. Oh, okay. However, he died of a heart attack in a house of ill repute. Oh. And to cover this up, they invented this story of his disappearance. Uh-huh. Well, I'm surprised that the producer of this episode, J. Francis Hitching, <laughs> wouldn't have used that story. Of course, this is a family show, so... <laughs> Yeah, but probably that's the only thing that stopped. Yes, yeah. because this is you know, <laughs> is it possible that you know Glenn Miller landed in Paris? <laughs> he landed there, all right, right into a house of ill repute. It this story also appeared on a, an episode from 2011 of the Antiques Roadshow. Oh, really? In which, uh, in which Sylvan. Anderton mm-hmm. brought in a uh, notebook uh, in which his brother, from his brother Richard, who had noted that he actually saw Glenn Miller's plane flying over. Hmm. Wow. Uh huh. How how did he know it was Glenn Miller's plane? Did it say Glenn Miller on the side? Well, well, no. It, it was he. he there were there's also a newspaper clipping of the disappearance. Hmm. So he put two and two, two oh. together and figured out that oh, okay. it must be Glenn Miller's plane. Oh. This is where the this is where the Devonshire idea comes from. Yeah. So I have come to the end of my notes, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard right. One of the producers on this episode was Francis Hitching, or J. Frank, as I like to call him. <laughs> so, uh, anyone else have anything to add before we finish this up? I'm good. Oh, I have loads. I have loads, Dad, but but I, I won't. I won't go on anymore. We'll, we'll have to have. We'll have to have another episode just for the exactly. just for that. Yeah, yeah. Get Dave Broadbeck on. He and I, he and I'll just talk about the Battle of the Bulge. Yes. <laughs> so, alrighty, Oliver, tell people where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at Oliver Oxide. He he was just saving his voice for the next episode that we're recording tonight. <laughs> yeah, really, Steve. Where can people find you? You can find me on the Twitterverse um, at Doc Pinko. You can find me at Alien CG, and you can find this podcast at Illuminati Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, I confess, I have Glenn Miller. He's in my closet right now. 
Glenn, come out of the closet. Have a good week, everyone. Toodles, kids. See ya.